Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of No Reserve, Haggerty's podcast about the enthusiast car market. Now, we're here to help you make sense of the market, whether you're buying, selling, or just watching. Now, this week, we've highlighted some recent bargains that sold at auction, the Lamborghini Countach that was once owned by the Quiet Riot guitarist, and what I think is the perfect Fox Body Mustang. Now, I'm Larry Webster, editor of Haggerty Media, and I'm joined by Dave Kinney, the publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide. Now, between us, we've got decades of experience buying, selling, and driving the cars we love. Plus, we don't just guess at the values. We're backed by the data of the Haggerty Valuation Tools. Dave, it is about the almost the end of June. I kind of hate it. It's, you know, official day of summer. Summer goes by so fast. How's your been going? You been any driving anything good lately? Yeah, I had my Ferrari out uh, over the weekend, so that was nice. But uh, the reason I... And doubt is because I have to get it, uh, get some miles on it, so I can get the emissions inspection done. So I'm, I'm on a, I'm kind of on a secret mission to drive the thing like 15 miles, get the thing warmed up, do another cycle on it. Because what happened was I turned the battery off for, uh, you know, like I don't know, yeah. a month and a half in the winter time, and I really never got around to it uh, to really putting any miles on it. So it's kind of funny. I'm uh, I'm doing my emissions uh, my emissions work uh, mostly in the middle of the night because it's fun to drive then uh, when you're out on country roads in a oh, Ferrari. Oh, good for you. So, well, yeah, I'm yeah. Cur- I am super curious. Okay, you're the publisher of Hegarty Price Guide, one of the backbones of our valuation tools, and so here we're going to find out because I don't I think I know what model Ferrari you're talking about, but we always mm-hmm. say buy what you love, not as an investment. So we're going to find out if you really live that life. Which Ferrari are we talking? I have a 612 Scaglietti from uh, 2005. Okay. So you put your money where your mouth is, right? Do you consider that a good investment? Well, you know, I didn't buy it for the investment, but uh, it has proven to be a good investment. Of course, I haven't sold it, so I haven't put any money in the bank, but I believe it's worth a little bit more than I paid for it. I paid about 87000 for it, and I think if I was to put it out for sale right now, I might be able to get eh, ninety five to 105 something like that. It's a it's a nice one. It's been looked after. It's I'm not the original owner by any stretch of the imagination, but the second owner who I bought it from really took great care of it, so that's why it was interesting to me, plus... I love the colors. It's got the uh, Tour de France blue with the uh, tan oh, interior. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's V12, four-seater. I- I'm thinking like I need to start calling you Big Papa now. And I'm imagining you driving around in your Ferrari. Yeah, right. No, I'm not, I, I don't have the cigar. I don't have the hat. But uh, yeah, you can call me Big Papa. That's fine. Well, I mean, the the market continues a lot of what we talked about just this past week. Um, the uh, Insider.Haggerty.com, we published an article about the market rating. Can you give everybody an update what's happening, please? Yeah, it looks like we're down off of our incredible highs. Um, I'm not worried about this. I don't think anybody should, but the market's going down a little bit. We're we're finding that uh, uh, you know we're still in what we call an expanding market. Our rating for those that are really into the weeds is 71.77. We're down from 72.36 last month, and of course this will be updated uh, next month in July. We're we're mm-hmm. talking into June here. Um, but it's still a, uh, it's still an expanding market, but we're seeing some signs of uh, Can, a little bit of weakness. It's supposed to, especially at the kind of the lower ends. Uh, you yeah. might say the the end that you and I like to play at. Um, so, um, I mean, if I could just dumb it down for me, um, the the Haggerty market rating is basically like our version of the S and P five hundred. It's an index of the market made up of right. the values of cars. Right. It's on a it's on a zero to one hundred. Right. 
Yeah, but it's it's not that. It's it's yeah. about sentiment coming from uh, yeah. you know market makers. People are involved in the market. Uh, I'm I'm involved in it, so I, I'm one of the people who gives a rating. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of people who we send this out to, and they they send it back in a uh, you know like a poll, and we uh, you know we ask the reason why they're failing that. I think a lot of this is driven by the fact that this is the longest recession that we haven't had yet in my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> we're probably going to have a recession. It's almost inevitable. But when is it going to happen? Now, we obviously have had all kinds of inflation, and that's been a big problem for a bunch of people. Uh, I believe those people would include those people who eat, uh, because when you go to the grocery store or a restaurant, you see that everything's gotten a lot more expensive. But, uh, um, you know, it hasn't dampened the enthusiasm in the uh, in the marketplace for collector cars all that much. Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating because, as you mentioned, the 71, it's still in the range that uh, Haggerty calls an expanding market. So that means that the the market is still going up, but at a slower rate than it was going up, let's say, eight, 12 months ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, during the pandemic, things were really, really busy. Everybody with a keyboard, which of course is just about everybody, uh, you know, was buying stuff that they didn't have. And some of those things included oh. collector cars. So, right. That, you, know, know. The, you know, a year or two years ago, and it was really crazy, that explains how an idiot like me made some money on a couple of preludes, which, I mean, I always lose money in this deal. So this was like a first. Wow. Better, better preludes than quaaludes, I always say. So, uh, <laughs> so no, now, uh, it's yeah, it's possible. a little trickier. It can happen. It can happen. Yeah, but now it's a little bit trickier. I mean, the uh, the sort of price rise we saw that was like foregone, you bought something and six months later it was kind of worth more, especially if it was built after 1980 and it was somewhat interesting. That's really not so much a slam dunk anymore. No, there are very few slam dunks in the in the classic car world. Uh, there's plenty of slam dunks in the new car world. I just uh, visited my local Ford dealer where I was having my F-150 uh, serviced. I was looking at all the additional dealer markup on all the... Uh, Anything that I looked at that was anywhere near interesting carried, you know, one of these additional markup stickers, which, uh, you know, I oh. don't think that's necessary and I don't think everybody pays it, but they're still trying. That's right. uh, that's that's all I can say. So I guess, you know, if we had a headline this, the as we put in the car market continues to retreat. It's not in uh, decline. It's not flat, but it's just cooling off a little bit. Yeah. Is that a good yeah. reason? Uh, market news, uh, cooling a little bit, ho-hum, film at 11. You know, yeah, uh, right. there's there's no, you know, there's no running for the exits by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Well, I think that's a good segue into our first segment, which is our opening bid segment where we look at past sales. And you put in something super interesting. I mean, talk about Big Papa. The first <laughs> car you put in here is this 1986 Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham. Did I say that right? That is correct. That's from our friends at uh, P Car Market. It's uh, listed at sold at eight thousand uh, dollars. You know, per pound. This is probably <laughs> the uh, the best buy ever on P Car Market because P Car you know concentrates on uh, on Porsches. So uh, I was kind of surprised to see this here when I saw it. I said I got to follow this. This is out of Richfield, Washington. Uh, yeah. It's a Palm Springs car. So I mean, you know, we are not talking a rust monster here. And it's sold for eight thousand dollars. Now the Hegarty Price Guide has these from six grand on the number four side, the kind of you know, used up, 
all the way to the almost brand new at $32,000. So this was a steal yeah, all bargain. the way. Yeah. And, you know, we have two cars that are in this, uh, you know, in this kind of uh, the next one as well. Um, I just, uh, you know, uh, well, contract. I, I see, like, you're so emotional, you're at a loss for words for this car. I, I don't blame I you. Yeah, I know. Right? Because- It's it's room for you and seven of your friends. I mean, <laughs> one in the trunk, but uh, yeah, well, no, this it's great. Is, this was a, like a holdover Cadillac, right? You remember the yep. 80s? They even yep. had like the version of the, the Cimarron, which is a version of the Cavalier. They were trying to downsize everything, but this, this Brome survived. And in 86, it had the five liter 302 V8, um, it had a lot of modern amenities, but it was still this monster long rear drive classic. I, I know it's the stereotype, but you can't avoid it. Mobster caddy. And this one's black. I mean, it, it, it hit every button. Hey, this has the creds because it apparently appeared in a uh, FX television series, American Horror Story, American oh. Crime Story. I mean, come on, Larry. I, this thing is writing checks that it can cash. Black leather interior. No cloth here. Black leather. I can smell it from here just looking at the photos. And, and you know, I agree with you. For eight grand, I, I mean, it, it's it's one of those where I'm like, it's not a bad used car for eight grand, right? It's going to run and get you places. I don't know what else you get for 8000 bucks. So these bargains, I think what you're saying here, and you're going to do it again in the next one, you've really been on bargain hunting. These things still exist for a lot of car with a lot of character, yeah, yeah. And I think part of it is this was kind of a fish out of water on the uh, on the uh, P car market. Oh wait, um, wait, wait! Interesting. So you're saying where you sell your car is important? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the the theory behind radio and television is is something called broadcasting. Well, broadcasting, believe it or not, is an agricultural term. Uh, when people would plant seeds, they could plant them individually, or they could broadcast. So PCAR market is kind of planting seeds individually. And if you're broadcasting, you might have wanted to put this on maybe Bring a Trailer or the Haggerty Marketplace or something like that. Now, I don't know how many hits and you know people interested in it, but uh, let's put it this way. I think this was a stone solid buy for 1986. You know, that's a really good point. I think on the Haggerty Marketplace with our broad audience and a lot of American car fans, this would have done much better than on a place that's really known for selling Porsches, which is why it's called P-Car. That's super interesting. Yeah, I wonder why that, that happened. But somebody got lucky. And uh, next time you see something like this, Dave, I hope you'll call me before it bids. We'll just buy it and have some fun. And I, I think you could flip this thing pretty successfully. I'm sure you could. And the other part of that is is that, uh, you know, uh, we're all going to Monterey in August. So uh, we needed a rent-a-car. Uh, my rent-a-car is basically, you know, the cost of a house from 1970s. <laughs> So, uh, you know, this wasn't a bad, bad one, but I got a better one coming up, Larry. Hey, Dave, and that's the thing. I saw these. You said, hey, I want to talk about these cars. And um, this Mercedes that you, you pointed out is sold on the right spot for Mercedes, right? It was on a Mercedes-only uh, auction platform called the MB Market. It's an 85 Benz 280 SE Euro, so it, it has all the right stuff. It doesn't have all the American bumpers and the emissions equipment. Uh, I'll let you give the punchline. This was amazing. $5,500. For a Mercedes. Uh, for a Mercedes and not a bad one either. This does, uh, you know, we don't know what we don't know, but, uh, you know, it is a silver car 
with the gray lower cladding because yeah that was the that was the oh, timeline there beautiful uh electric sunroof uh euro spec headlights obviously taillights uh heated mirrors automatic antenna i mean all this stuff and the things of mercedes yes it's got paint imperfections because somebody actually drove it but the dash but, isn't cracked the dash is I not know. cracked it's amazing i know i know five thousand $500. Can I just say that again a couple of times? Because, okay, it has the cloth seats, which some people like, you know, not available in the States unless you were somebody who wanted to special order them and went through the whole rigmarole. $5,500. I mean, how many times can I say it? 97,000 miles. I'm sorry the car would part out for more than that. So uh, this so was a hellacious buy. This is really you. I mean, you are having like a big pop of fetish at the moment. <laughs> Right, you're you're bringing you're highlighting these like big cruiser sedans. These these really are not like they're not they have no sporting intention, right? This was the executive model that Mercedes made that you more often rode in the back than drove. Yeah, it's a monster. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. This is a, this is a driver's car. It, it, it does not have driver's car. Well, our definition of driver's car might be different. Okay. Well, yeah, I, yeah it's not sporty. Um, you know, Hollywood. Uh, you know, Manhattan, uh, a lot of places were full with the brethren of this car. They wouldn't necessarily be the, uh, you know, the, the Euro model, uh, although that was, you know, a big part of the marketplace in the 1980s. Uh, but the U.S. version of this, you would see absolutely everywhere. Every accountant, every lawyer, every doctor had one. Every real estate, and especially your area, Washington, D.C., had one of these. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They have two or three. And they might add a diesel. And this doesn't have the diesel, so it actually has some some pickup. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, it's funny. The cloth seats, I like that because leather of this age tends to get really old looking and cracky. Some people like that patina, but um, I like that these have cloth seats. They look a little fresher to me. Yeah, and of course, uh, the, old, uh, the old leather can have uh, what we call uh, an interesting smell to it, too. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, I'd take this car. I'd take this, this car in a this minute. Is, it, this is a good example of I, I sometimes pitch to my friends. Like they go on vacations and I'm like, okay, let's, let's add this up. You're going to spend uh, probably a thousand bucks on a plane ticket. You're going to spend whatever. It all adds up three to 5,000 a week. Hey, listen, we're going to buy this Mercedes. We're all going to fly out to LA and then we're going to drive it home to Detroit. I mean, dirt cheap adventure for 5,500 bucks. Yeah, but you got to be ready for the four thousand dollar transmission repair possibility. So, oh, uh, yeah, you can always leave it in Omaha, uh, you know, at the airport, and just <laughs> grab a grab a flight home, take the take the plates off, and the uh, you know the 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 Omaha parking company will be able to part it out and make a lot more money than they could for uh, for parking. So, well, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I just appreciate your 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 finding that there's a lot of really great fun cars for not a lot of money. It's hard to get hurt. For 5500 bucks, like the car is probably always going to be worth somewhere around there. And it's a lot of fun for that money. So thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, there's one thing you also put in we want to revisit. And this is really special Lamborghini that was sold on Bring a Trailer. Tell everybody about it, please. All right. Ex Geneva Motor Show. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. 82 Lamborghini Countach LP500. It's listed as a oh, LP500S listed as a project. So it has needs. So things need to be done with it. It was owned by, uh, bought new by a uh, uh, the uh, uh, lead guitarist of Quiet Riot. Um, so it has, uh, you know, celebrity, quote unquote, background. 
but it has lots of needs. Uh, you tell them what it sold for. Uh, it sold for $563,000. And I think this is a bargain. I really do. I mean, uh, the, the Quiet Riot guitarist had it for 35 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's got a lot of like just sitting neglect stuff totally. But there's a lot to like about this card. Number one, we talked about uh, that I still think it'll clean up really well and it's it will be a great driver quality, great conversation starter, something you can use. Second thing is being the Geneva show car. This generation, if you need to fact check me on this, but in 82, they've raised the roof two inches to make it a little more roomy for the American market. So this is really the Americanized uh, Countach. And it, before you look down your nose at that, that made it a more usable car, but it didn't have the ugly bumpers that the Americans got. You see what I mean? Yeah. I, okay. It's got a couple things going for it. And I think we all agree that the uh, LP500 is one of those cars that's uh, uh, looking a lot better every single day. So, uh, um, you know, this and is this the one we had on the wall. Yeah, exactly. And as I talked about, uh, you know, uh, the, our last broadcast, we, we talked about the fact that um, there was one of these, not this particular car, at the Greenwich Concours. And everyone between about, you know, five and 50 got their camera out and took a picture of the car. And that's okay. how, you know, everybody was interested in it. So, Dave, help me out. Help us out in terms of how the how wacky the, the classic car market is, right? Right. Give me like a, a can you buy an F40 for under a million dollars? No. And they made, what, 1,200 of those, right? You're you're about to compare an F40 with wait, a wait, wait. Lamborghini. Let me finish. Oh, Let me finish. Okay. 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 Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. And that's a uh, you know cool car, but all carbon fiber, a lot of really neat stuff to it, but a twin-turbo V8. This thing has a, the Countach has a V12. They started making them in 1975. I think they ended in 92. They only made 2,000 total over that it entire hit. run, and they're all kind of different. V12. You know, it's the poster child of anyone who was born from, let's say, 1970 on. So that generation is just starting to get some money. So to me, at 560 grand, bargain all day long. Well, this car has a lot of needs, but does, you know, my question would be does the history of the car, including being the Geneva show car, make it worth that much more that we can ignore the needs and go ahead and buy this car. And I'm thinking that uh, the bring-a-trailer people who were, you know, when this car was offered, they're a smart bunch. Uh, I don't think they made any mistake here, but this was this was number one money for, you know, for a car that's certainly not number one. If you take away the Geneva show history, I don't know how much the, uh, you know, the, the I think the ownership history is more interesting than valuable. Um, but we'll see about that. But okay, uh, you know, okay. we're okay. both agreeing it's a we're both agreeing it's a good buy. But I think maybe for different reasons. I think okay, this is you know if if that's if I, I guess I'm wrong because uh like the perfect LP 500 in the world is worth six hundred thousand is what you're suggesting, right? Yeah, something around there. Yeah, that's where my 401k is going all day long. I yeah. mean, if you if, oh, if, I, if, you, if you look go at wrong. comps, right? You I mean, you yeah, you couldn't go wrong with one of these. I mean, there's no way. I, I'm not talking about for five years. I'm talking about for 15 and 20 years. That's what I mean. But, uh, yeah, yeah it's a, absolutely. It gets more money. So um, it's your car 01K. <laughs> okay, interesting result. I thought it would have got higher, but you're right. That audience is pretty savvy, probably bought right on the money. Um, 
There's another one on cars and bids. This is such an oddity. I'm really excited to talk to you about it, Dave, because <laughs> I this is one of the most gorgeous cars ever made ever. It's of course came out of design by Italy, made in Japan. It's a 1985 Isuzu Impulse, and you just don't hear about these. They're just not around. And this car sold for 5,500 buck. No, no, I'm sorry, 9,500 dollars on cars and bids. And I've never driven one. Always liked them. Am I just is this a personal, I'm crazy, Dave, or I think this was a pretty good deal? What, what am I missing? I think you're uh, a little bit crazy, but I think it's a good deal. You know, if you look at this, look at the greenhouse of this car. The center of the greenhouse is pure Honda Accord. Okay, if you're looking at a picture, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's but, a good point. But the front end is much sexier, and the rear end is a lot sexier. So we have this kind of Honda Accord utility built into this car that's got a much better looking body. Now, it's an Isuzu, so that's, you know, kind of an X brand. You know, it's not exactly, you know, uh, everybody's not going out to their Isuzu dealer to buy an Isuzu right now. Uh, but uh, it's got a lot going for it. And once again, we're under under ten grand and a 22,000-mile car unmodified in a decent color, uh, West Coast owned as well. I, I have to agree with you. I think this is a great long-term hold. But... You know, you have to do some splining when you got a uh, when you got an impulse uh, when you have a uh, an Isuzu uh, of any sort because you know it's not a it's not a, a car on the market anymore in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a car somebody really wants to have something special uh, for car shows, and yeah. um, uh, definitely unique. I love this era because, like, okay, Isuzu, they're in Japan, they want to build a car. Maybe they know how to do it, but they need to make it more uh, attractive, so they go to Jajaro. Say, look, give us a great shape. And it Jajar delivers, like you said, beautiful later versions of the impulse. They had a little badge uh tuned by Lotus. And mm-hmm. they had the suspension done by Lotus. So they had this sort of like best of the world in this small economy car. I think the automatic hurts this, although maybe it doesn't matter. But the thing I wonder about is and probably what what keeps the price down is like, where do you get parts? I mean, good luck. Yeah, I think uh, your parts are going to come from a West Coast junkyard is probably uh, you know a good part of it. But I hate to find crash parts for this, but I'm sure somewhere they're out there. Anyhow, in the long run, this is a uh, it's it's not going to win you at uh, Radwood, but it's going to get you special notice at Radwood. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Well, great, a lot of fun stuff that's just sold. Let's uh, move on to our next segment called Kicking Tires. This is where we discuss stuff that's presently for sale, either uh, at auctions or just in classifieds. And there's one that really caught your eye, and you're going to have to explain this to the audience because it's way over my head. Okay, so it's a 55 Rolls-Royce Silver Dawn. Uh, we call them sedans, they call them saloon. Uh, it's a very small car. This is an R-Type. If it was a Bentley, it would be an R-Type or a Mark Six. This happens to be the last one built. This is claimed to be... Uh, uh, alloy coachwork, aluminum or aluminum if we're in England. Um, And I don't know about that. If it is, it makes it a lot more exciting, but it's not a very exciting car. So we have uh, have a car that has been very, very much in the weeds in terms of pricing for the standard steel models of these. We've seen them sell for $35,000 and $45,000 and those sorts of things. We have it in the price guide from 40k up to uh, uh, about 90. Well, somewhere in the mid 90s, mm. uh, probably dropping next time. Uh, next time we go to to uh, you know update the price guide, it's oh, not wow. going up. 
But this is a hell of a lot of car if the car gets out uh, gets out without a lot of people noticing. It's a U.S. spec car. It's left-hand drive. It was the last one made, and apparently it's the only lightweight Silver Dawn by H.J. Muller. So uh, uh, aluminum coachwork. Uh, it's got a lot going for it, but then again, we have that question. Who cares? I care. Yeah. A lot of my friends care, but it's not the flavor of the week right now. It's such an oddity, right? Because it's oh, yeah. like, it's this bridge car. It, it, you know, just looking at the driver's perch, the way that the steering wheel is and the the entry to it looks, it has a very 30s look to it. Um, and mm-hmm. then the upright grille, the, you, the fenders are very pronounced, the way that the engine cover is hinged at the middle. But then, you know, it has these other things that make you think, okay, it's starting to modernize. So it's it's a very weird kind of transitional car in a lot of ways. So that makes it historically interesting, right? Here's what happened in the history of the Silver Dawn. They started making them in 1949. Keep in mind that in England, it was export or perish. They yeah. had to sell stuff to other countries to make enough money to, to hire people to keep the businesses going. Sure. First two years were right-hand drive only. Then they became left-hand drive and right-hand drive. The cars got a little bit bigger uh, trunk, you know, boot for them, and it also got more horsepower as it went on. So the later cars are more desirable. By the way, they dropped this thing and called an automatic transmission, which wasn't available early on. So even that was a, you know, was a big deal in the kind of seven-year, eight-year history of these cars. So you're right. It was absolutely a pre-war kind of car uh, built in a post-war world. Uh, and it's a small car in a world where you're looking for big and impressive. So I don't think those things exactly are positives in the marketplace. But what a great little car to drive around in. The yeah, I mean, kind of compact size. You know, I it's, see what it's you mean. Sixty-five I mean, it, Mustang size. It's really interesting, and you know, in terms of like pulling up somewhere and making an entrance, there's probably not a better car around, especially for the money. Well, I think that, you know, for a long-term collector, if they're not paying attention, if somebody's not, uh, you know, not already, you know, oh, doing a podcast about cars that are coming up for sale, <laughs> it says it's the last one, it's the last chassis, and it's also, uh, you know, I'm going to have to double check this uh, with my magnet when I get there. I won't be there, but somebody will, uh, to make sure it's an aluminum body car. Oh. It's a very, a very interesting car. So, well, there you go. I mean, the theme of this show is Dave, Big Papa Dave. And <laughs> once again, that's what this car is. You could totally see it in a rap video all day long. And yeah, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we yeah we won't go into the rest of the video, but I, I'm imagining it right now. So you think, uh, you know, if you had a guess, this is probably somewhere between seventy five and hundred grand is where this will land. I think oh, it might get away for less than seventy five grand. Wow, I really, I see. really do. Okay, okay, so this is coming up at Meekum at the Kissimmee Summer Special Sale. Um, not exactly their Kissimmee Winter Sale, which is a barn burner. I mean, it is one of the best sales, if yeah. not the best sale, going on right now for pure volume. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think this thing might sneak out. I'm going to call a couple of friends of mine and say, hey, have you ever thought about buying one of these? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, see if they do. Uh, and, you know, it, it, great car for for. Not a lot of money. I mean, if if the world was more fair and people liked luxury as much as they liked performance, this car would be all over the place. <laughs> Dave, if the world was fair, I'd be considered handsome. So let's just let's just recognize it's not. Yeah, oh, it's not fair. There's no doubt about it.
Well, let's move on to maybe a little come back down to earth because I wanted to, I brought this car up. It's on uh, Bring a Trailer right now. It's an 89 Jeep Cherokee Limited. Yeah. And this is the four-door version. And it just, you've, you've spoken to this before, but as a, a buyer or somebody that wants to enjoy classic cars, but you need to be smart with your money. You know, you, you speak all the time about the power of nostalgia. And mm-hmm. when I saw this thing, my parents had one in like 1990. And it's super uh, interesting to me is like, okay, I'm not interested in, in a Cherokee unless it's before they had the airbag steering wheel. And mm-hmm. I want the font on the gauges to look like <laughs> what it was when we were growing up. And I'm not really that much of a detail person, but I noticed how this one kind of pressed all those buttons. And I just thought you'd get a kick out of like, because these are, you know, they were like kind of inexpensive, rough cars that were were heavily, heavily polished and happened to hit lucky with Is the it? with the market and were very successful even though they're crude in a lot of ways. So talk yeah. about that, would you? That's okay. a big deal. Let me throw that well, with you. Uh you know, this is the era the same year, a nineteen eighty nine, when I bought a Jeep brand Cherokee, uh brand new. One of the worst cars I've ever owned, actually. Yeah, they're terrible. Uh, but boy, did it! But boy, did it look great. They I mean, do. It just looks. Right. It just looks so good. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that going on here. And you think about it, these cars, well, these Jeeps were everywhere. Yeah. In the late 1980s and in the 90s, you don't see them any anymore, unless you're in SoCal or something like that, because uh, they might have had a little rust problem, possibly. Uh, don't want to get any trouble with that, but yeah, they had plenty of rust. But in the meantime, I think this is a great survivor. Right now, uh, it's at $5,500. It ends in seven days. So, uh, you know, by the time you listen to the podcast, you can own a Jeep Cherokee Limited four-door, four-by-four. So it's got the four-wheel drive, which is what you you want. But even more so, it's got the factory cassette stereo. So, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. In pearl white, as you would in the 1980s. Yeah. uh, You know, kind of. Kind of working as an extra on Miami Vice, you could just drive this thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I, you know. I I think if you want to be in Greenwich, Connecticut, you want the 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 green one, you know, the forest green one. But you know, the funny thing, uh, if you think about the importance of this car, like right now, Jeep is one of the most valuable brands and one of the most profitable for Stellantis, hands down. And it was really this car that brought it from a niche to more of a mainstream. So this uh-huh. car, number one, super important. Number two. They're really kind of fun time capsules because they're so narrow and the head toss is atrocious. Like, right? Like, <laughs> you ride and he's like, you're like, wop, wop, going side to side. But the fun thing was, um, the th- this is what maybe you know a name for this. Uh, the domestic cars were really good in, let's say, the late 80s around this time period where they would tune the throttle linkage. So, what this means is, so you, let's say you pressed only the gas pedal a quarter of the way of the travel. But it would actually open the butter, butterfly at the engine half or more. So you just touch it. It'd be like, whoa, this thing's this thing's a monster. It's so fast. And you combine that with the four liter straight six that had a lot of great low end torque. These things were quick. I don't know if you were driving them. They're super fun. Yeah, you're right. And they were and they were quick. And I think that was you know what was missing uh, in the 1970s was quick. Yeah. And mm-hmm. by the 1980s, they had to keep up with what was coming out of Japan. And a lot of those cars were very quick, so I'm sure that was you know that was kind of some engineering to get that give it a little more uh, a little more low end feel, and uh, it's an easy way to do it. Like you said, open up that second butterfly and you know, or open up the butterfly and make the thing 
uh, holler a little bit. And of course, uh, I, I don't know. I like the car. It's a styling car. Uh, it's got the fake BVS wheels, all that sort of stuff on it. Um, I don't know if living with it for a long term would be my ideal. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that the the head toss and a lot of things um, that I've I'm remembering now that I'm looking at the car that were not so great. <laughs> but um, it, you it can was, never go home again, Larry. You it can was never definitely go home a status again. symbol back in the day, and it and it's another illustration that these sort of you know, the generation that grew up with these sort of SUVs are now appreciating them. And they're certainly one of the hotter parts of the collector car market. We've had a lot of these things in um, the bull market, which is our idea of like uh, cars that might go up in value. And I think this certainly, we had a Cherokee in there, I think two years ago. So we're, we're way ahead of the game as usual, Dave, thanks to you. But again, great car, great possible investment. And um if I had the space, I'd probably be bidding. But let's move. Uh, good, good to know. Well, Next if one. I you keep if your I eyes come, out. If I come across one, I'll I'll definitely text you right away and let you know. So, uh, now, hey, you, so here, yeah, here's one. Tell I us found. about the next one. Yeah, all right. This one's on the the Haggerty Marketplace. It's a 7,200 mile 84 Mustang 5.0 GT convertible, uh, silver. Not my favorite color for this car, but that's my own personal taste. Black interior, black top. Um, and 7,200 miles, which is like really, really legit low miles. It's also a multiple award-winning Mustang GT, MCA Mustang Club of America, Grand National Gold in 2013, uh, unrestored platinum in 2013. I mean, this thing's got some creds going on. Um, I would have, I would have personally, I would have paid to have better photos done, uh, his loss, your gain. Uh, you should go take a look at this. I don't know what it's going to sell for. Um, it's an auction and there's 13 days left. Uh, but if you're looking for a Mustang, you could do a lot worse than get one of these early GTs. This one's amazing. I mean, what yep. a time capsule. Yep. Um, I, I've been, you know, I have an 85, uh, GT hardtop. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've sort of been shopping for these cars. And I think my theory is that when, when it was a convertible model, they they were more likely to be stored in a garage and not driven that often. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, this one is so incredibly well-preserved. Do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. This is a, a Southern car, so I don't think we have to worry too much about rust on this one. Right. Um, it's a, you know, it, it's, I, I'm surprised that uh, we don't have more people paying attention to it because it's been on for a day now. So, uh, but uh, it's got plenty of time left. These early Fox bodies, um, such a great generation. I remember this is a time when the Mustang as a sporting machine was uh, celebrated as a better machine than the Camaro by almost every automotive magazine. Right. So um, you drive these things, they are very crude, but they're also pretty light and nimble and small and um, a lot more fun than you would think for a car that's this old. I, I, I see what you mean why you picked it. This is a, this is a special car that Hopefully the the audience will understand it and and bid appropriately. I don't know. I have no value, uh, no sense of the values of these things. What what's something like this go for? You know, that's a hard one to say. I think uh, our book tops out in the high thirties. Uh, the Haggerty Price Guide tops out at the high thirties at this. Um, I could argue that this car would be worth every bit of that and possibly more. Uh, the uh, you know still has a window sticker on the uh, uh, driver's window. I mean, this car is you know as they say in the wrapper. Uh, with seven seven thousand miles on it, um, 
Uh, like I said, I, I would have taken different pictures. I would have, uh, you know, found a nice looking parking lot and, you know, done a little bit better job on that. That's that, you know, that's up to the person who puts it in there. That's, that's another thing. But I think it could look a lot better if it was in a different setting. Yeah. I'd be so curious to drive it because my car has 50,000 miles. It's a coupe and it's, it's, it's so rattly and all the interior squeaks. At one point I wrote an article about it and I said, yeah, the build quality is pretty bad. Holy schmoly, did the Mustang crowd get <laughs> yeah. on my head. I don't know what you're talking about. Mine's totally great. I'm like, wait, say what? We're not allowed to say these things in 1984 or, you know, nobody had great build quality back then. Yeah, exactly. Me, I mean, it was just the way it was. I mean, that's part of the uh, appeal of these things. So I got a theory about convertibles, um, and we've been writing about this on Insider. Does a convertible version uh, increase the value or decrease it or flat, Dave? It used to be an absolute when the top goes down, the value goes up. It's not oh. so much true anymore. Uh, it is for most collectible cars because, <clears throat> you know, people want them for the summertime usage. You know, a lot of these cars, you know, will be garaged over the wintertime. And so they want it with the, uh, you know, with the, you know, uh, the top down, the, you know, the possibility of the, uh, you know, trip to the beach or to the uh, lake or something like that. Uh, it, it brings back a lot of memories of, uh, you know, a fun time. So a lot of the times, I think most of the time, actually in collector cars, the uh, convertibles are worth more. Now, structural integrity, if you're going to rally the car, is a completely sure. different situation. So that's why you'll find Porsches uh, of almost every age sell for more when they've got uh, when they've got a coupe body than a convertible body, with some big exceptions. Please don't, you know, don't write, don't call. But, uh, um, yeah, I think this is probably worth more than the uh, the GT with our top. With the, oh, yeah, uh, fastback. totally. Yeah. What a fun time capsule. The window stick is hysterical, right? It has speed control, and it points out fingertip because you... <laughs> and I one know. of the features is it has a console like yeah i mean cars didn't always have center consoles back then right they you just know there, there's there's some guy in in dearborn right now going set you know going uh looking at those things bringing his grandson along saying saying see that fingertip there that was my word i put that <laughs> on that window sticker what do you think like, yeah that was your that was your mark on the ford motor company it's totally fun so well dave I mean, a lot of great action, a lot of great bargains out there. So I oh, hope yeah. everybody's having fun shopping. Anything else you want to add for the audience before we, we uh, part ways? Yeah, it's summertime. Uh, get out and drive, number one. I, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, get kids interested in your car. Uh, mm. If you go to a Cars and Coffee or car show, you know, I say, unless your car is so super special that you can't stand it, take that. Uh, don't touch my car sign off. And when somebody comes by and wants to look at your car, open the door, let them sit in the seat. Uh, you know, that's how, that's how people get interested in these cars. It's not these objects of worship that, uh, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, keep people away from. If you're that type of person that wants to share, go ahead and make sure you share. Yeah, that's really sweet, Dave. I mean, good for you. I agree with you. What can I say? Sweet. I tell you, you know, every week I write a newsletter. It's called the Never Stop Driving Newsletter. And if anybody would like to uh, subscribe, just go to Haggerty.com and and search for newsletters. So lately, I've really been writing about, and we've talked about it, is uh, the first generation Miatas. Absolutely. uh, We have a beater one. We've had it for 20 years. And every time I get in that thing, I am amazed 
how good a car it is, how fun it is, and they're still really cheap. Even my 20-year-old son, I mean, okay, think he's just out of teenagehood, Dave, cranky, doesn't want... He said to me, he goes, I know what you mean. He goes, I am happier every time I get out of that car than when I got in. And I yeah, was like, yeah. Mm, yeah. Look at this. You know, that is the perfect distillation of first generation Miatas, and they're still not that expensive. I mean, you, you know, one thing we will always have in common, Larry, is our love of Miatas. Now, I, oh. I'm a big I'm a big guy, and I don't fit well in a Miata. I look just like a weeble when I get in <laughs> there. Too. I get it. But, uh, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It is a great car, and you can enter at any price level you want. I mean, just oh, any so. price level you want. You can, you can buy them for under five grand. You can buy them for, you know, five times that. And they can be great buys for five grand and, and great buys for 20 grand. So what the hell? Yeah, I think um, uh, ours is pretty ratty, but uh, you know they're they're really durable. They're very easy to work on. There's tons of parts, tons of support. So they do have this reputation as as being uh, not a very masculine car. But I I'm just putting it out there, Dave. If if you could find me a silver NA with the uh, I need power steering and low miles, I'm willing to pay top dollar. I think that's the car to have until you die all day. I really do. That's my I, message I don't, for you. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think uh, you know. I, you know, it. You know, the the joke is that uh, the best British sports car of all time is the Mazda Miata, which oh, was man. not made in Britain uh, because they did it right. It doesn't break. You know, all this sort of stuff. Well, I love British sports cars, so you know, I'm not going to necessarily agree with that. But it is the British sports car done right and with newer technology. And what's wrong with that? There's just nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it, they're very boring. Everybody says, yeah, the answer is always Miata. It is. It's that way for a reason. So, Dave, if you see a nice silver one, would you keep me in mind, please? I'll uh, snap some pics and just send them to you with the price. How's that? Well, there you go. Well, thank you, Dave. It was super interesting. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time on No Reserve. Take care.